0: In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called Stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the Stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of fleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float
1: City.
2: Previously on Float City, the crew is sent to Rigamont B to collect the vascular multi-object from the dying boss, Anvader Lerer. They witness her death at the hands of a terrifying, extra-dimensional entity and abscond with her priceless armaments. En route to Spindle, they battle a void elf laying waste to a provincial town. A void elf, they, freed from the Anvader's prison. For this trouble, they're brought to the Saffron Anox, the local trade lord who says they must Snoopily investigate one Zestano novel. a co-archivist holding up a trade deal of his on the planet Kakudun. If they refuse, the Anox will break his three-century contract with the co and blame the crew's elf troubles. Back on spin, the team remits their spoils to Brandish Tam, an item appraiser, and files their paperwork with their refactor Algar, who is wildly impressed with their haul. They are rewarded with Gilder, promote and a recruit, the Harajun Oat, who they, unknown to Algar, also freed from the Anverders prison. We join the team now, having just left Oat at the bar Zona after a round of drunk. They approach Brandish Tam's item filled room blob, hoping he has some fresh insight into their treasure trove of Archaeatech.
3: brandish tam. ah you people listen this was a lot of stuff and i worked quick to get it all figured out for you no small task for me brandish tam now you gotta pay me something 200 gil or or i don't look at me like that or you let me pick one of these things and i keep it that's your options what do you want to do that
1: wasn't our agreement if i recall correctly Brandish tam. oh it
3: wasn't our agreement well who's got the objects now going can report me to the refactor. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, Betty Tam is
4: scared. As he's talking, Mercus is like reacting like this is way too loud because he has a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
5: Beta is kind of like looking over at Remy, like gray cloud eater. I don't, never really changes the rules
1: yeah. on me. <laughs> I think I think Remy is Remy's a little mad. He's you know like he's like you know this we had an agreement. Brandish yeah. we had an agreement.
3: Yeah, you, and you're, uh, you were gonna look at it No, you were gonna let me look at the cool shit and you took it away. You took you away it. you didn't let me you saw it. I got to see it, but I wanna inspect it. Things like that <laughs> come once, but once in this
5: single life we are given. Um You be- took it away from me, so no deal. I want pay. Beta uh turns to the group and kinda pulls out fifty Gilder and is like, Well, are we gonna do this or what?
1: I mean I could eat him. He t- Remy's turned around and like talking to dude. <sighs> it's like I could eat him. He's he probably I mean, you know, it wouldn't I don't know what the rules are in spin, but <laughs> strictly against eating other people. Yes, that's, that would be frowned upon. Do you say hmm. that out loud, Remy? Do you say yes. Yes, I could eat him? 100%.
3: Right. You hear an electric and sort of mechanical hum and spin and rattle sound from behind you. And you see that Reddish Tam's hand is under the counter. Just and give he the says, man 200 gill. it's a reasonable says, price. Oh, you can eat me, big boy, but you might not like how I sit in your stomach.
1: <laughs>
4: uh, Remy walks.
1: Remy walks up to it and puts his forehead on Brandish Tam's forehead and just smiles.
4: Uh, Mercus just puts both hands into his swim trunks and pulls out Gilda. It's like I will pay. <laughs> I
3: like what I'm hearing now.
1: You're halfway there. Remy Remy puts some money on the counter because he he's decided it's not worth it to eat Brandish Tam. Bino puts it on as well. Now! I just want to say, I think Brandish Tam can hear Remy's stomach rumbling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can hear the nanites starting to swarm. Yes.
3: Well, my friend, if you are indeed so hungry as to be this aggressive, let me assure you, you are headed to a wonderful future because by exchanging these items for goods and services, you can eat until you die. Let me show you what you got. Begin the game show music. <laughs> <laughs> What looks like a mere fishbowl is actually a portable atmosphere generator. This is a small portable demonstrator of atmos, short for atmosphere, I'm sure you understand, of various planets. You'll see here an inscrutable dial, which reproduces them. Now it has a helpful AI, however, I feel that it is helpful. I cannot be sure because it is in a a language I, and I bet you, cannot understand. Sounds like a bunch of synthy squawks.
2: It's but it's friendly, uh, and sure enough, as he's like oh, sort of holding it aloft. Um, this upside down fish bowl with a Game Boy attached to it. Um, uh, he, he has turned it on. Like you did not previously turn it on. He's figured out how to get it going. And it is making these like very friendly little like sing-songy bird chirpy little sounds. Um, and uh, uh, Brandish, do you hand it over to, I believe this was Betas. Mm-hmm. Do you hand it over to Beta? Yes,
3: these are like on a countertop and I'm doing the yeah. Vanna
2: White.
4: Uh, <laughs>
2: uh, so then yeah, when you approach it you can same. see that in fact, yeah, like the Game screen, there's something that looks like a little robot face on it, and the eyebrows that were on top of it are, like, sort of moving up and down, and it's making these funny little sounds. I mean, you cannot do
5: uh,
2: roll reason to see if you can figure it out.
5: Okay. This ah. is going
2: to be very difficult, but if you get a very high result, then I will say that you can read it. You, like, work it out. Hmm. <laughs> no, that's not high enough. Uh, wow. It looks, it's got a bunch of faces and pictures on it and it's making these sing-songy little noises. What you sort of can guess now that, you know, using your science background and like having seen some of some weird stuff in the archive before maybe, maybe in your like xenobiology travels, like... There's some way for you to manipulate this dial and then push a little button uh, that's on the side that basically in the fishbowl is generated a kind of atmosphere, like an atmosphere of various different planets and locations. And you're pretty sure that what the dial does is it lets you choose like from a, from a litany of planets, oh. that you're choosing a planet, pushing a button, and then generating roughly what its atmosphere is. Um, in game terms, if you can pass a simple charisma check, which is four or higher, um, because it really wants to help you and just wants to be your friend, then you can do it, or you can pass a difficult nine plus reason check to use it. Why you would want to generate atmosphere, I'm not sure, but that's a thing that you can do. Okay. Um, Now is the point at which I will also explain that all of the items that you found were randomly generated from a table. The table told me what elements were involved in each of these items, and I put them all together, and this is what I got.
3: Fun. Now... Beta, your second item appears to be a simple two sided dart. Ah, but my friend, it is anything but. This is a two part <laughs> exsanguinatory ocular assessment bolt. I can tell by the way you're looking at me, you want me to go a little bit slower with a little more detail. So allow me to <laughs> proceed. This is a two part blood powered
2: dart. There's and uh, po- Brandish is like unscrewing it. And mm-hmm. you can see as he's like, it's like a hard piece of metal that he's unscrewing from the center into two pieces.
3: There's a point here on each end, unscrew it, and ooh, what's this? Look at that, a weird-looking eyeball on the inside, the flat end. Now, you stab somebody with part of this, and the other part of it, you stab into yourself, and you can see through their eyes.
2: (gasps) That's nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. You roll calm in order to stab someone with this thing, stab yourself with it, and then pass a will check to be able to see through the eyes of whoever you just stabbed.
5: Now, <laughs> um, this is very interesting to Beta, whose <laughs> main goal of her sapient shoot that is to learn through experience.
2: Um, you don't know more past that. I I will reveal how it works more specifically once you use it. Um, but yeah, what Brandish Tam described is roughly what it does.
3: And now we come to this little beauty. (laughs) This is an olfactory sonar helm. Do you know what that is? Have you ever seen one of these?
5: I can't say I have. Well, then don't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you can see this is a big, heavy helmet. It's bulbous and rusted, but here is its secret function. It's a helmet, you put it on. Now, don't, 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 don't put it on right now. Wait until I'm done telling okay. you what it does, because what it does is very uncomfortable. You put it on your head, and if you have a a, a nose, just like the kind that he points at Venus, he has, because Combat has no nose holes, right?
5: No, yeah. faceless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is not for
3: you. But if you look if you're like one of them and you got nose holes, you put this on and tubes go up the holes in your nose and you're probably thinking, he's looking at the other people. <laughs> you're probably thinking that, "Oh, a little tube in my nose? I don't mind." Wrong. You are going to mind how far these tubes go back.
0: Yes. That's... Question Fidos? No, I was just agreeing. I said yes, I don't mind that at all. I...
3: You will. You will. Oh, I tried it too on. Too far it's, back, eh? Hey? It's deeper than you think. Oh. How,
1: how deep? How, how, how deep are we talking?
3: Take a guess at how deep it is, and then think about much, much deeper than that. Okay. But... Once the tubes reach your olfactory gland or brand equivalent, you can then see, but through smell, the location of every norm space and non-informatic sapient within a two d ten meter radius. It's a neat little device here.
2: So wait, I like
1: that. Uh, <laughs> I like that Brandish Tam has also. Said, yeah, Brandish
2: Tam yeah. knows two d ten meter. Yeah. Brandish Tam <laughs> breaks the
1: fourth wall. <laughs> British Tam knows it's a looks game. Directly
4: t-
5: looks directly into camera and says, it's 2D10. And, what,
3: where, what are you looking into? And he yeah, looks right into camera. And you can have one for yourself. Just go to Old Factory Sonar Helm by British Tam.gov and buy one right now for 60 credits.
0: Venus takes off his beard and looks at camera. Hi, I'm Nick Garcia. I play Venus. And- <laughs>
2: If you, too, would like to own a Brandish Tam branded olfactory sonar helm, just head to (laughs) funcity.ventures.ventures. So, yeah, this is an item that you, if you have nose holes, uh, you put on the helmet and two tubes extend out of the interior of the helmet and enter your nose, they do go pretty far. They go uh, the cost of one D10 grit far. Once they are, I don't know, like, yeah, close to your close to your brain bits, I guess, well. <laughs> um, the helmet will scan the surrounding area uh, for uh, sapience, for non-weird, non-informatic sapience that is within uh, a two D10 meter radius. Uh, But you can only do that if you pass a difficult reaction check because you are decoding the position of a sapient in 3D space Mm. in a map made out of scent only. Mm. (laughs) So it's very hard to understand.
5: I mean, the idea that she doesn't have a nose, right? We know this. Uh, so I don't know how it's going to work on her. Yeah, That was going
2: to be my question. I don't know whether or not do we think Beta would be able well, to Well Beta has this? a brain, so
1: maybe it'll just go through some of the metal on Beta's face.
5: <laughs> yeah, maybe it, she would have to dig little holes into her face.
4: Uh, Marcus would have to wear it on his tummy.
5: Oh. <laughs> That's where his brain is. <laughs> that is so cute. Um so Beta is very interested in this um, piece of equipment because she's always interested in talking to people and seeing people, um, and it would just be a way of finding more people that are maybe hiding <laughs> from her. <laughs> um, so she's gonna actually, she's gonna secretly hold on to this piece of equipment. Yeah,
2: you have you have an olfactory sonar helm.
5: Ah, <laughs> now.
3: Venus, let's go on to your first item. What I began calling simply the spectacles, but they are so much more. And yet it is an item known to me. Would you believe that in its original place in time, this was known as the Malady Mellotron. Say it with me, Malad- Venus. The Malady, Malady Mellotron. Mellotron. It looks like just wrap around sunglasses <laughs> with like these attached headphones, you know. Um, But this is, this is for, this is from the Ilithnari, Venus. Oh. Did you know that? Yes. Oh, that's right, because you told me the whole story. So I would know that you know, that I know, <laughs> and we both know what's going on. If you wear these spectacles, you wear the Mellotron, they will tell you the ailments of any particular being in complex medicological diagrams accompanied by appropriate music. <laughs> Very nice.
0: Oh, wow. Will I? Will it, does it give you cures or, or, or panacea?
3: Only time will tell. Okay. <laughs> but my gut says no. Okay.
2: Uh, well. That is roughly what it does. Uh, you spend one uh, D4 grit and you pass a standard reason test. Um, and yeah, that just represents you having to parse out the lyrics of the song being sung that <laughs> describes the sickness of the person that you are looking at. Ah, I see.
0: <laughs> now the
3: music is Ilithnari, but from what I can remember, it probably won't drive you insane. Now your second object, <laughs> this harness. Do you know what the name, actual name of this harness is, Vinas?
0: I do not, sir.
3: It is called. My visage is a shield. This is actually. A piece of art Venus, <gasps> This is art It's a very famous piece of art actually It was made by a mantist artist I cannot say the name of the Manted artist that, uh, that, that sir I I can you I can show you a reading of it, but I can't Say it out loud. It's because my species has two uvulas, and one of them hangs (laughs) in front and prevents me from uh, making the kind of sounds necessary. But look, it's a kind of commentary on the defensiveness of one's designed, accumulated persona and the willingness, while engaged in battle, to see your enemies as less than people, equal to yourselves. I see. You're moved, I can tell.
2: Uh, So this actually is like a piece of, you know, in other places in the universe, this would be recognized as a very famous piece of art, Uh, you know, like up there with some Andy Warhol prints or like, a you know, a Michelangelo sculpture. It is, in fact, a chest worn like harness plate. Uh, that you put on, and when you push a button underneath it, it uh, rapidly expands into a piece of metal that will cover Venus from roughly his ankles to just underneath his nose. And painted on the shield is the face of a of like a uh, yeah like a a female manted warrior. It sort of looks like Frida Kahlo, but a mantis person. Does Brandish Tam expand it to show it?
3: <laughs> yeah, and then Brandish Tam goes, and just like shakes his arm and it expands, sting up into this like, you know, five and a half foot tall shield and says, now you could use it as a shield if you are a Philistine.
2: <laughs> I leave it up to you. I like how Brandish Tam is an art appreciator. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you got kinda gotta be to be in this job, I think. Yeah. You, to, um,
3: you, you know, if, if you love what you do, you, you'll never work a day in your life. You
2: know? <laughs> Brandish Tam, Brandish Tam, Brandish Tam, everybody. I'm Brandish Tam. Nick, in game terms, it, this is a, a free action to deploy. If you put it on and use it as armor, if you so choose, it's a free action to deploy. So it happens immediately and you can do it whenever you want. When it is deployed, it is a damage reduction four. Okay. Um. But your movement die goes down one type, and you cannot engage in melee combat because the shield is just too big to reach around. Let's see. Um. If you want to pack it back up, that is a that takes a full turn.
0: Oh wow! It's, it's an like, auto. It's an auto release, but not an auto repack.
2: Correct. You basically have to fold a metal map back into a little packet that sits <laughs> in your chest. I see. And if you aren't wearing it, it takes a turn for you to like get the harness on and stuff.
0: Well, Venus says, well, that's quite astounding um, and and evocative uh, as well. um, It is evocative. Yes, I really appreciate your time and effort you've put into explaining this piece. And Venus uh, takes it from him and begins folding the uh, metal shield back into the little metal pouch. Ah,
3: now Marcus, sweet Mm -hmm. Marcus. This I've been calling the blimp, but it is not a blimp. Oh, no, no. This is another item that is known to me. It's called the Stupendous foamator.
6: What? <laughs> and Mergus is like tilting his lizard head, like doesn't look technological to me. Oh, but it is so, so much technological.
3: It is a pin-like tool, but instead of writing words, <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of creating verse and prose, it creates foam. Oh. Look! Hey, <laughs> please. He uh, uh, he squirts. There's like a there's a corner of the room that looks like it's been shot by every weapon and stained by every. It looks like an artist studio, like a sculptor studio, just like. And he points it at that corner, uh, and maybe there's even like a mannequin there that has had like arms blown off and like a face gone. And from the end of this pen, just like squirts this sort of uh, load of foam. <laughs> Over the period of an hour, the foam hardens to a point where it is very difficult to cut or to chop, but it's always easily disintegratable by water, Marcus. It's also very useful as a fire starter. And then he takes out a match and he throws it on there and it goes.
2: Uh, also um, when when um, Brandish Tam pushes the plunger that ejects the foam the blimp expands a little bit and you can see that the seams between all of the parts making up the sort of flanges of the blimp like light up it it starts projecting this really bright multicolored uh, like rainbow of light it's like there's a fucking party happening and then sort of surprisingly loudly from the stupendous foamator or foamator however you want to say it Disco music starts to play and a voice goes thank you for using the stupendous foamator thank you so much from foamator industries your source for foam ejecting goods thank you for using the stupid and it just continues like this until uh, he pulls the plunger back out I
3: think there are about eh, d8 charges left (laughs)
2: Yeah, so, yeah, Jen, roll a D8, and that's how many more foams it can make.
4: Okay, let me check. <laughs> five.
2: There's five more foams left. Uh, it costs nothing to use. You can just use it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it produces foam that will expand um, to fill a space up up to a limit of about five cubic feet. Over an hour, it hardens. If you try to cut or break through it once it's hardened, it's very, very difficult But if you put water on it or light it on fire, it basically just disappears.
4: Oh, and Marcus is just marveling at it.
2: (laughs) And it plays really, really terrible music when it's doing its thing. (laughs) Uh, All right, I think we got two more. more, more.
3: And now my favorite tough customer, Remy. Let's look at what you got in the bag. And by the bag, I mean on the table. Look at this. Look at this. Remy, do you know what these calipers do?
1: Measures things? No,
3: quite the opposite. Oh, well, this is This is
1: calipers. Eh,
3: well, yes, 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 that's right. Now, if you want to buy calipers, I can sell you calipers, and I'm happy to attack, talk to you and haggle about that until the cows come home. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense in space. <laughs> <clears throat> this is an analytic solidifier depositional class. This is a major piece of technology, Remy. So just to remind you, it's a small box with curved antenna forming an open circle, right? <clears throat> and now he, he sheep, uh, uh, Brandish Tam in, indicates the sort of open space in the antenna and says, this will turn any gas present between the two leads into a smooth polyhedral solid. You like polyhedral solids, right? Sure. Now, when the polyhedral solid is produced, it is surprisingly heavy and very hot. Okay, but look here on the side. There's a little heat-proof pouch. Okay, you seem unimpressed, but listen to this. Yeah, ah! I, I'm. I'm I, it, well, sell me on of, it. Sell me on A it. lot of people seeing a gas turn to a polyhedral solid would be like, "This is impressive." But oh, Remy, I think you're gonna like this next detail. Oftentimes, an impact to the solid made by throwing it will result in rapid endothermic reaction. Look, waiting for a response, waiting for a response. It's a kind of reverse explosion, Remy, in that it will cool or freeze the surrounding area in a forceful blast.
1: Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. forceful
3: blast, yes, of course. Now listen, Uh, not every time. Sometimes something really weird happens. It's a real, quote, roll of the dice, end quote. Uh, Also, don't use it in space. If you use it in a vacuum, it'll break permanently, and I can't guarantee the machinery won't expand and cause some kind of rift, okay?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's basically, that's the long and short of it. Um, If you pass a uh, level seven reason test, um, then you, uh, you know, effectively use this piece of strange... Measurement equipment to produce a, a quote unquote sample of the gas that is between the two leads, um, which, yeah, basically makes like a D, a, an object that kind of looks like a D20 dice, um, but is a, a solidified version of the gas that is between it. And if it is impacted, um, if it's like normal Atmo, you know, like what we breathe, if it is impacted, it causes basically a freeze explosion um, that. Sick that like does damage. Um, It depends upon what gas you've performed this process on. But yeah, it's basically a way for you to generate grenades from air. They are very unstable. So I would not (laughs) recommend walking around with a lot of them. Um, But uh, yeah, also if you're in a weird atmosphere, maybe you could just see what happens.
1: Very cool, very cool. And we also have the atmosphere maker thing. So I assume those two things could go together.
2: That is true.
3: Now, Remy, are you ready to see your next object? Show me the jelly. Ah, trick question (laughs) The jelly is not an object Remy, the jelly is a substance
1: Okay, all right. This is
3: illegal drugs
1: (laughs) I love to hear it
3: Have you ever Have you ever heard
1: of never ever Never ever
2: You can roll reason (laughs) um, or will If you want to see if you've ever Uh, heard of it before I'll roll reason I'm I'm looking for a seven I think Nine Nice. Wow. Yes, you have heard of this drug. <laughs> never Ever, uh, which is short for Never Ever Again, um, uh, which is the sort of like joke name um, of this drug, which is also called C Beam, uh, like C with your eyes, beam like a ray of light, um, is a drug that is very popular amongst artists on many planets. And it's kind of a way for you to... Uh, OK, so I've never done DMT, but uh, you'll you'll tell me uh, my understanding about DMT is that it, it is a drug that when you take it, um, you always have a very similar experience that involves like traveling through space or like aliens of some kind. Now, eh, sure, I-ish? sure yeah, okay. Close enough. All right. Um, this is like a similar thing. Like everybody who takes it has a similar experience. I met giant dinosaur fossil <laughs>
3: creatures that cool. lived in the world between all the other worlds. And the the metaverse was symbolized by a giant infinite dinosaur rib cage. And at the end of each bone was a silver globe that contained a different reality.
2: Damn. That sounds dope. Okay, this is not like that. Fucking ruled. Um, <laughs> uh, Kids do drugs. <laughs> uh, Brandish Tam, why don't you... Uh, so, I mean, like, you know, he maybe knows that Remy knows what this is, but is going to explain it to him anyways, uh, so that it's not just me, the universe delivering exposition. <laughs>
3: now, look, this is a dense brick, Remy. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? This is enough for dozens of doses. You got to be careful. Tell me you're going to be careful before you walk out of here with this.
1: Hey, Brandish, I'm always... Sometimes careful.
3: (laughs) Okay, and listen, even if you are careful and you take it, remember, they're not just visions. These are things that have happened or are happening or will happen other times and places, okay? So you gotta take it very seriously.
2: So yeah, this is the understanding about Never Ever Again um, is that it does, in fact, repeat things that have happened um, and that when you take it, the lore, at least, is that you are momentarily, if you if your body can deal with it, that you are momentarily psychically transported to a random event that has actually occur- occurred, is actually currently occurring or will actually Eventually occur, but you have no control over but, when, where, how, who, why, etc. It's like momentarily quantum leaping yourself.
1: Wow. How many cool. how many doses in game terms do I have?
2: Literally dozens. dozens. Wow! Sick. Like uh, roll roll a d twenty, roll a d one hundred.
4: Ooh! Can we okay. all take it?
2: <laughs> well, actually, roll a d roll. This makes more sense. Roll a d twelve. Ten. So, yeah, you have, you have 144 doses. Cool. It's like a big jelly brick. Okay, let's talk about what happens when you take this. Um, once you take it, you have to pass a standard will test, followed by a standard charisma test. Remy can never pass a will test. Unless you burn grit. Yes. If you pass both of those, you see hazy sort of warped visions from other times and places, before, during, and after your current plane of existence. Um, In game terms, I will say that these visions may be hints, they may be clues, they may be warnings. It may be like gaming inspiration or metagaming inspiration or none of the above. It might be absolute meaningless nonsense, but it will be the case that you are experiencing things that actually happened, are happening, or will happen. That will always be true. If you fail the will test, but you pass the charisma test, you become sick to your stomach um, and and you act irrationally for an hour um, because you are convinced that you are somewhere else that you both are and are not. Uh, If you fail the will test, but pass the charisma test, then like you don't go catatonic and you're still with the crew and you're still like playing still fleet, but you think that you're at like a Japanese tea ceremony in 1650. (laughs) Sick. Um, you, you can basically, ch- I can tell you, I will tell you where you think you are, and you essentially have to interact with the world through that lens. Wow. It, if you pass the will, but you fail the charisma roll, you are sort of transported to before or after creation. <laughs> um, and you, you, are, you are forced to confront b- the time before things were made or the time after which things are unmade. Very cool. Uh, And very bad things happen to you. And if that ever happens, we'll cross that bridge and we get to it. My God. You could also sell this and you would probably make a lot of money and then you would be a drug dealer. You can choose whether or not that's something you're interested in. Uh, There like is a market for it, both on spin and in other places. Um, It's probably not very big, uh, but, you know, because it's again, it's called never. Now you sort of maybe understand why it's called never ever or never ever again. Um, But uh, yeah, that's what it is. Wow. Great. Great. Good to know. And that's,
5: that's, that's all the items. Mm -hmm. That's all the items. Um, Beta uh, looks at Brandish Ham and asks, so which one were you going to take? Well, it's all, you
3: know, I mean, (laughs) what does it matter now? I would have taken the one that turns the gas into the solid.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so not mine. Great. (laughs) Marcus puts away the blimp. (laughs) But I am happy to take your guilders
3: instead. Thank you for your custom. Please do not hesitate to come see me again when you have such another wonderful treasure trove. I'm British Tam.
2: And he (laughs) sits back down at his desk and goes back to writing in his ledger. So you guys have a bunch of new stuff. Do you want to level up?
6: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Level up, level Uh, up, level up. Okay.
0: Hello, everybody. This is Nick Garcia. And I am here to ask you a simple question, Uh, a question that I'd like you to answer to yourself, out loud, um, very quickly. Do you know that Fun City, or at the time being, Float City, has a Patreon? You can go to patreon.com slash funcityventures and get more than your wildest dreams could ever imagine. Do you know that we have another show exclusive to Patreon supporters called Fun Chatty? It's a bi-weekly post-game chat show where we talk about the show, but also about how bad the world is and our opinions on that. You've got access to our Discord, a higher quality ad-free private RSS feed, our character sheets, world tracking docs, all kinds of stuff and more. Please go, please take a look, please consider membership in the most elite and private and glorious club to ever grace this sweet, sweet earth. And now, apologize to all of those you've interrupted with
2: answering out loud. Here's what happens when you level up. You gain six units of pool, which you can distribute between health and grit, however you want. You can also uh, take... And that also increases our max. That only increases your your max. That does not, not add to what you currently have. It uh, adds to the total that you can possess. Does that make right, sense?
3: Okay. Uh-oh.
2: It increases your max without increasing what you currently okay. uh, have. You can also, uh, and this is a four-way choice, you can choose a class power... From your uh, your class that you did not choose when you first made your character. Uh, so in Stillfleet, it says like, you know, here are your class powers. Choose two of the five that are available. You can go to that list and you can choose one that you did not choose. Or you can choose an advanced power. Uh, from the correct advanced powers list, which is a whole other set of powers that are available to you that are not reflected in your class powers. Or you can choose a specialization, which is to say that you can choose You can describe a situation where you want a dice bonus, so like attacking a certain kind of um, uh, sapient, rolling to understand a certain piece of technology, or you can do unarmed combat training, which is similar to a specialization. You can basically get a dice bonus for a certain kind of uh, combat training that you want to do. At level two, uh, those are the things that can happen when you level up. You will also get paid more by the company. Hmm. So yeah, let's say you leave Brandish Tam, you collect all of your stuff, you have your new toys, uh, and while you have time off from uh, from going out on ventures, as Algar said, uh, you spend the next couple weeks just sort of training some new skills uh, for the next venture that you have to get out on. So uh, what does everybody do with their time?
0: Um, v- Venus um, has been spotted uh, at various places around Spin um, speaking to... Uh, a teapot or a a small, you know, (laughs) glass that would hold um, knickknacks or little uh, things or an old shovel, and he does it in sort of a whispering fashion. Um, Sometimes he seems impatient with the object, as though the object could be more forthcoming, (laughs) <laughs> um, but sometimes he seems more pleased with the information uh, that seems to be passing from the audio, uh, the object to Avino's, and he has um, honed his skill uh, of speak with steel. Um, this is um, an ability that uh, allows him to burn one grit or three health to touch one object. Uh, we he will roll his uh, reason. And add his level to, if the result is greater than seven, he can choose to learn either how the object was made, uh, that's socially, not technically, like the story of how the object was made, who last used it, or how it really works. Um, And how it really works is more of that technical side um, without the uh, historical conditions. Mm. If the result is 12 or higher on the dice, then he gets to know all three of the facts about the thing he touches.
2: That's very cool. Um, what, uh, what object that Venus uh, had a conversation with was the most forthcoming? Um, <laughs> a lot of the ship
0: itself is not very forthcoming at all, um, but um, it, he uh, seems to have an affinity for things that are more organic But that may just be kind of beginner's um, luck or intuition or something that guides him towards something like that. He had, I don't know if it was real leather, but maybe it's like algae leather. There was an algae leather pouch that had a few coins in it. Uh, He threw the coins away. People thought that looked strange. And he really had a good combo with that pouch.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I got Nick. This is a perfect <laughs> skill for Vino. So good.
2: <laughs> the pouch was like, "Thanks, man. Those guys were terrible. God. <laughs> getting real sick of hanging out with them."
0: Only point of clarification here is that the first point here is that I could learn how the object was made, and he makes, and we make a point to say that this is socially, not te- technically. But then, I guess the third possibility is how it really works but not, not necessarily the historical uh, conditions of its making, but how it really works. Is that more techn- technological or, or technical for you, Mike?
2: Yeah, I think okay. that that, and it depends upon what kind of thing it is. That like, okay. um, you could probably learn how, you know, like let's say you put your hands on near the sun and right. you roll really well and yep. you learn how it works. That like, your okay. brain would probably be flooded with a lot of information about nanotechnology that you just barely understand. Sure. But if you are holding a Giselle, like an old, like Arabic, um, you know, musket essentially, and you roll really well and you learn how it works, then your brain is filled with information about basically how like flint locking style pistols or firearms function, which are things that you probably mechanically would be able to understand very easily.
0: Oh, sure. Okay. That makes sense. It's it's a little bit like having a brief access to the textbook, but you know, obviously that textbook would make more sense to a professional than it would an amateur.
2: Yeah.
5: Beta works on something that she has been working on for a while because she really, really, really wanted this power. It is called Hypnotize and uh, basically the power is you burn three grit and, and spend at least one hour with someone. That person falls for you, and now <laughs> and will now do things within her power to help you in any way. Wow. What? It's not mind control; it's basically seduction. <laughs> but um, the person that you're seducing can roll a will check once per day to snap out of it, or at least reassess her feelings for you.
2: Is wow. this a? Um, is this a? Isn't this is a weird power, isn't it?
5: No, this is a. It was one of my things. Uh, in it wasn't communicate. I could choose between communications or. Oh, an advanced power. Yeah, it's an advanced power.
2: Wow. Holy shit, that's wild. Yeah. Hell yeah.
5: Because it just it just immediately jumped out as like Beta would want to know that wouldn't want to know how to do this.
2: So what do you think? What's the training regimen that allows Beta to know better how to? seduce people i guess
5: i think okay because this is interesting because beta on her own does not have much um charm uh she's a very low charm role so i think maybe this means she kind of is studying someone maybe in the archive who's a charmer Mm. and maybe she's been studying this person for a while and is kind of getting a hang of it
2: this is like um, like using your xenobiologist uh, background on a person that lives on Spindle. And you're just treating them like a specimen that you're learning their ways, mm-hmm. following them around Spin, and being like, "What do they do?" In the, like David Attenborough, like mm, interesting.
4: <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, Mercus um, wants to learn uh, something from the advanced powers list. As a banshee, he has access to communications, so uh, he chose find Nemat, or it's an acronym N E M A T. I don't know what that means, or it doesn't explain what it means. Uh, I don't either. Uh, but basically, uh, Mercus will learn about or be able to find secret holy spaces, um, like. Whenever we're anywhere, so um, ruined offense buildings, ship concourses, deep below the earth, throughout the escheresque, um, he can burn three grit and make a reaction. Uh, it's not reaction, is it? Is it reaction? reason? It's reason. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's make okay, re- it's the, sh-
2: the shadow run residue.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he burns three grit and makes a reason check, and if he gets a six or higher, um, you find an, an interesting secret hole. Um, uh, basically it's a technological place because, uh, Marcus is like the pilot, um, and has Jack, which is a, um, uh, an ability to use, alter, or repair technology, so this skill will help him find rooms or special hiding places that have technology, which is really exciting.
2: There is a there is a shadow run like equivalent to this, which is uh, is. which I think actually, um, uh, Carboni's character had, (gasps) which is essentially like like finding hidden escape routes, like finding secret passageways.
4: But now it's just like pocket spaces where Marcus can hide or yeah (laughs) (laughs) or something.
2: Uh, Yeah. Is that like you're like studying studying the HVAC system of Spin to to like see how yeah. uh, back passageways are put together?
4: It's like uh, looking through maps um, of of Spin and then playing a giant game of hide and seek with all of his brothers. <laughs> all of your brothers by the, stif- yes. by the bays by the far <laughs> yes. bays. Just so you can hear like it's like um, like a Looney Tunes with like all these hatches opening and someone scurrying. <laughs>
2: It's like Laugh-In, but uh, in the time travel corridor of the secret, weird, unknown Providence spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Um, I think Remy is going to learn Repro.
1: Um, <clears throat> so Repro is a uh, nanofluidics power, uh, but basically what you do is you burn some grit and you can send your nanites into an electrical device, which includes... Like you know, just like Teftian comms or like radios, uh, and interestingly, it does say sapient brains uh, to induce any specific effect possible. Um, so it's like being able to use technology without really having to know exactly how
2: how it works. Like your nanites act as a translation between your intent and the capabilities yes. of the technology,
1: um, which is exciting uh, because like it's it seems I I think Remy's like you know I, th- I think it's he's he's sort of been uh since he's been awakened which again hasn't been that long he's been trying to figure out like exactly what he can do so he has all this you know like he he keeps a bunch of junk in his room from his old missions and so he's been playing with the electrical stuff trying to make it like you know trying to turn on uh like an old crt set uh from like across the room uh and like trying to like fuck with people's uh devices that they have on them at range just like across, across spin in the canteen,
2: and then one, one fateful night, the ancient CRT that hasn't been turned on for it just ten thousand years just spring turns to life. Yep, yep, and then he turns it back off and falls asleep. <laughs> Mission accomplished.
1: Uh, Taylor, does Oat take any new? Yes. Uh, so
3: I let me ask you, what's better? So the, the tactics uh, skill list is all about like straight up attack bonuses, attack opportunities, and also like getting information. Like I can pick a skill that lets me get information about places and what's in it. Or I can pick a skill that tells me about like people and groups of sentient things and know about them. I want to pick the one that's like best for story. I guess like. Probably places. Places, right? So that's Reconnoiter. Uh, which lets me spend a couple of rounds figuring things out about a place, uh, and then I know everything, like the layout of a structure, how many guards are walking around, for example. This is very yeah.
2: oat. This scenes this this feels very. Yeah, right.
3: I mean, he's a thief, so he's gonna be really good at casing the joint. Yeah, yeah. reconnoiter. Nice. There's also a really cool disarm skill, but I think reconnoiter. Uh, disarm has been off.
2: the subject of a lot of discussion on the still fleet discord because people are like, this is wild. You can just r- roll some dice and just take a enemy's weapon away. It works. Yeah. And Unless then just, they and use then weird against you. It works. It's wild. Yeah. 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 So like, Oat hits the books basically. Hits or I guess books. maybe I, just wanders around spin, like trying to just, uh, I, be, I, you know, I think maybe like he used to be able to do this. And either the aging or the freezing
3: process kind of scrambled him. And he's sort of maybe remembering some of his mm. old skills. Mm. Sure, Because I think before he got frozen, he was not a level one character.
2: Oh, that's probably true. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably right.
3: Yeah. So I, I, I kind of like this is like he's sort of remembering himself.
2: Reconnoiter. <laughs> 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 uh so um you all have I think some snooping to do, um, if you want to, um, to ask around about Zeshtin Novell. You can go about this however you'd like. Um, you all know a, a group a good group of people, and you can talk to whoever you want. I think some of you also have contacts. I know Shannon Beta knows another xenobiologist. Uh, In the archive, and that we decided that based upon your side hustle as xenobiologist. And Nick Venos knows another archivist, which is the archivist that trained you, quote unquote, as a tremulant. And so you still have a relationship with that person. Um, So if you want to go talk to those people, they might be able to help you.
0: Um, I would like to talk to the my contact, um, but we can contact. We could talk to yours first if you'd rather do that, uh, Shannon.
2: Let's
4: talk to your contact. All right, uh, Mercus is uh, walking up and down uh, a blob hall, um, poking his little lizard head into random tarps and just going, Venus, (laughs) Venus, and you just hear crinkle, crinkle, (laughs) Venus. Because Mercus cannot keep track of where Venus is staying.
0: (laughs) Venus. Venus is in sort of a rusty old alcove talking to a, the pot um, that it contains a soot flower, a flower that only eats ash. Um, <laughs> and uh, he is uh, just talking to the pot in kind of whispered tones again. And he turns around and says, oh, hey, what? Who? It's me. Uh, Marcus, hey. <laughs> How are you this day?
6: <laughs> I've been playing in the far bays.
0: Oh, Marcus, you'll get yourself killed.
6: Not if I find a good hiding place.
0: <laughs> really, you're getting better at that. What say you?
6: I was wondering what we were going to do about the thing I'm not supposed to talk about.
0: Ah, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I think I'm just about ready. Um, well, let's see. let's say, let's say, let me know. All right, let's gather the team <laughs> and um, go speak with my contact, Nayo. She knows more about all of this than I do.
6: If only there was some way we could all, you know, tell people that we were going somewhere. We'll just have to find Beta, huh?
0: Yes. Where do you think she's run off to?
5: Pan pan to their, their uh, walkie-talkies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Both of them
4: have their walkie-talkies in their hand.
2: If only there were a way.
4: <laughs> Thank you for catching that, Shannon. <laughs> um... <laughs> If you're
5: looking for beta, beta is in her room.
0: Venus is still not part of the walkie-talkie. Of
5: course, of course not. And
6: Marcus. He's, he is
2: talking to the walkie-talkie, <laughs> but not using the walkie-talkie to talk.
4: I I think her blob is this way, and you just hear the slap slap of Mercus's feet.
0: Venus follows.
4: Beta! Uh, <laughs> you just hear it yelling down the hall. Beta!
5: Ah uh, beta yells, come in, come in! Don't mind the mess, come in! Um, Beta is standing there. She's standing over what seems to be a diorama. Um, And you could notice that NTS is in that diorama. And she's uh, putting little hats that she made out of little pieces of material on NTS.
2: Please tell me it's a cowboy hat.
5: Yeah. There's a cowboy hat. There's like, um, you know, a baseball cap. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a whole variety of caps that she made. Hey, 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 y'all, what's up? Don't mind me over here. i <laughs> just, just working on a little project. Which one is this? Oh, he is in the um, Sleepless in Seattle diorama. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the airport? Yes. Kind of got to be, right? I mean, yeah. Well,
0: we were on our way to go speak with Nayo, contact I have, who is also a follower of the Howling Lamb. She is well versed on much of the company's workings and may help us get to the bottom of this whole kerfuffle with
5: Justano. Ah, excellent. Ah, uh, yes, I had almost forgotten. <laughs> Just got a little caught up in my crafts and my projects. Um, Yes, let's do that. Have you seen Remy? Uh, No, let me let me. Beep him in. And uh, Beta pulls out her walkie-talkie and says, how do you use a walkie-talkie? you
2: yeah, make the walkie-talkie sound.
5: <laughs> 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 types in Remy's number. I don't know. How a, they, they a only, channel.
2: He's on a channel. Yeah, they only work. They only connect the four of you. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just between the four of you.
5: Yeah. Uh, and she presses the button down and yells, uh,
4: Remy.
1: Remy's asleep. Uh, the walkie talkie is <laughs> like near him, but he, he's not he, he's you know, he's he's tired from a long day of experimenting with his with his nanites, which sounds a lot worse than it is. Um, He like he's sort of like waking up. He I, I don't think he thinks he has anywhere to be.
5: She says, "Uh, well, if this thing doesn't work and I think she's going to author speak with Reby, can she?
2: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It just connects to sapient brains. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: And this is, like, something she's done before.
2: It's <laughs> funny. This is a real mom move.
5: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to burn two grit and connect our minds together. <laughs> I love this. And so she she's like, just a moment. Uh, let me connect you. And if this thing doesn't work, this always works. <laughs> and in the same tone and volume in her head, she says... Remy!
1: <laughs> Remy starts awake and is just like, oh, fuck. What? <laughs> am I, am yeah. I needed?
5: Oh, Remy, did, were you sleeping?
1: Yes. I'm all, I'm, oh. I, I was tired.
5: Oh, uh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to wake you, uh, but the team is meeting over in um, my room. If you want to come on over here, I think we're going to get started with some
1: business. So we're a team, eh? Yeah, hey, I let love
5: me, saying we're
1: a team. I know, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice, hey, Beta. I can hear it. I know you love this. <laughs> All right, let me just let me put on some clothes. I'll be there in a second. So it's already like. Good. Yeah, Remy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he can disconnect the
4: call.
5: Yeah. She, <laughs> she She lingers there for a little just like a moment too long. And then she's like, oh, I'll disconnect us. Uh,
2: it's like when your mom comes into your room when you're a teenager and she's like, get out of bed and then doesn't leave until she sees you get out of bed yeah. and like, put some pants on. <laughs> yes. She's like, OK, good. It's also very funny to me that like, you know. The voice from the howling beyond that you just experienced is Beta Combat.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this—I hap- feel like this happens quite frequently, and he's—he's he's sort of yeah. used to it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Mercus is like fiddling with the channel switches on the on the walkie-talkie. Like, oh, that's how you—that's how you do that.
6: Oh.
1: <laughs> Got it. Remy, Remy shows up to the to the room, fully dressed, only a little bit groggy that's like the well, sleeper the sleeper well, yes. mode well yes
2: <laughs> yeah but he's you know he arrives he's tootling that's what he does when he's uh, idling so you all are going to head to the basilicon to talk to venus's contact nio Cymbalon. is that right yes a okay nice So yeah, you make your way from um, Beta's room blob, sort of you know on the other side of the canteen, across the canteen and um, the green uh, of spin that is this like large open space that's directly in front of the entrance to the Basilicon. Uh, Nick, I think Venus would know basically where um, where Nio's. Office slash laboratory is so he can lead the way. Um, you know, you go in past um, the single waitin' that's just s- sitting at the desk uh, standing there watching everybody enter the basilicon and you go through this Long warren of halls. Nyo's office is very far up in the Basilicon, so you're going up and up and you're taking these long hallways, turning left and right and going up another set of stairs that's carved into the spindle black rock. Uh, When you get there, unlike many other spaces in Spin um, and unlike many of the other offices nearby, Nyo's office slash lab actually has a door and it's, it kind of looks like white. Uh, so the the opening is roundish um, and it kind of looks like white tile.
0: Uh, Venus Knox.
2: Yeah, it's very sturdy. It like barely makes a noise, but it's enough. Um, and you hear this creaking, crackling sound um, as uh, the grid of uh, white and gray that's um, on this um, this material that's blocking the entryway uh, slides over um, and provides, uh, you know, an entrance into this room. The first thing you notice is that it's very bright. The hallway that you're in is pretty dark. A lot of spin is pretty dark. In here, in Nio's office, uh, it's it's bright. There's a lot of lights. Also, uh, the floor. Floor, uh, ceiling, and walls are all this same white, tiley, plasticky, gridded material. Um, it actually looks like um, you know it, it doesn't have that. Uh, uneven floor surface that much of the rest of Spin does. It's like uh, a false floor has been installed in here and it's been made very flat and it's very clinical. It's very white. It's very clean. uh, It's all very straight and tidy. Um, And in it, there are a lot of tables. There are a lot of surfaces that are covered with pieces of technology, uh, pieces of equipment. Um, There are what look like just metal and wood work tables with, um, you know, uh, various blinking and beeping instruments on them. Uh, You can see in the far back that there actually is, uh, you maybe have seen a few of these in your time, an actual terminal to access the uh, eponymous archive, to actually like type on a keyboard, this is effectively a computer, um, to search the storehouse of knowledge that is spin uh, so this is something that Nio Simbalon has access to she's a very very high up uh, very sort of respected archivist you hear whirring of these machines um, you hear a high pitched sound uh, of this um, this terminal the terminal is like yeah it's like a big it's almost like a lectern um, like this big floor standing thing that's on wheels with this giant screen these big chunky keyboard buttons it's got a huge braid of wire That comes out of the back of it and goes into the wall. Uh, So it's like a very just serious piece of technology. You can hear it uh, just like you can hear how much power it takes to run. You also see that there are uh, basically three almost gurneys uh, that are in the middle of the room and they're tilted up uh, at an angle and there's a person on each of them. They are upside down. Uh, their feet are above their heads. Uh, they're all wearing gray smocks um, that sort of signify that they are tremulants in training. Um, their eyes are all wide open and they're sort of staring like agape, a little bit um, off into nowhere. And as the door starts to open, you hear uh, this. Uh, you hear a voice from the other side of the room before the door is fully open. Come on in. Uh, Venus enters
0: and says, uh, is this Nio? This is Nioh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bows slightly and says, Nioh, I hope your dreams are rich with promise. And
2: I hope yours are decked in ornament. <laughs> well, Nioh, uh, is this a good time? Oh, well, um, I mean, you know how it is. Uh, there are never really good times in the archive, but uh, we just have a few subjects here who are uh, undergoing some some training. Venus, I'm sure that you uh, I'm sure that you think of these times fondly. Um, <laughs> Nio is like maybe four feet tall. Uh, she's got, like, darker skin, she's got straight black hair, uh, with, like, uh, like, surgically straight bangs, um, and unlike most other archivists, she does not wear a robe. Uh, she wears a pantsuit, uh, with very bright silver buttons all the way down the front of it. But, uh, what, uh, what do I owe the pleasure well
0: um we and and he walks in uh towards where her desk is is that where she is
2: she's standing over what looks like a ledger and she's writing some notes in it you can see that there's a a sort of quill pen that she's just put down and it looks like she's just copying things either to or from the archive terminal that's in there
0: well we came to see if we could get some information on a matter that has become troublesome for us um We have been told and have found and come to find that the trade has been blocked between the lovers and Cockadoon. We have interested parties that could benefit the company greatly if this trade was allowed to resume. I have, upon further um, digging, we have learned that Giastano Novell, an archivist here, is causing, maybe, perhaps, uh, if not causing, is furthering this blocking of trade. And I was wondering
2: why this was. Have you thought about asking them?
0: Uh, Yes, I have thought about that. But I also know that these things can be very tricky and nobody likes someone who puts their nose where it doesn't belong. I know that I trust you and I know that you have access to this information. We don't mean to actually impede on the relations between these great planets or moons um, as they may be. But we do would, would like to know maybe what is the cause of the blockage?
2: And is this this is something that your a job that your refactor has sent you on?
0: No, no, not at the moment. We have learned some information on a previous um, mission that made us think that uh, a few interested parties um, would find it very fortuitous for the trade to begin. And it could be very fortuitous for the uh, company as well. (laughs) So always worth digging around to see if that dog barks. Uh,
2: She's looking at you. Very suspiciously.
0: We would, of course, um, be able to (laughs) help you in in whatever you need uh, to be able to find any information uh, that could help us uh, or, you know, provide you any services that you believe should be rendered. Um, But, of course, if you have no knowledge of
2: these things, then (laughs) nothing can be helped here. What you're asking is very unusual. No one knows that you're here asking me this.
0: No, I was trying, I was hoping you could keep it between us. Mm.
2: What do you, tell me exactly what you need.
0: Well, I think just information. Again, uh, we don't um, uh, meed, uh, mean to make trouble for anyone on the Lovers, or Kakadu, or, or anyone here who is interested in their trade, but perhaps learning a bit about why, why the trade between these great uh, masses
2: <laughs> can
0: be, are, are they moons, or are they
2: planets? <laughs> Other planets, yeah.
0: Yes, why these great planets must be impeded when so many lives are at stake.
4: A little bulbous finger pokes past uh, Venus. Is he, <laughs> excuse me, ma'am.
2: Yes, and, I'm not sure if you've met Marcus ooh, here. Yes. I, uh, and uh, yeah, she, uh, she sort of leans forward and she, uh, she squints a little bit. She says, um, y- yes?
6: Uh, my, name, my name is Marcus. And Marcus is just looking down at the floor and, and says, I don't actually know much about the archive. But do you know where we could find Miss Navelle?
2: Hmm. Tell you what. She, uh, she looks at her ledger. Um, she looks at her terminal. And she says, I would love to be able to help. Um, as you know, access to the archive is highly restricted and very closely surveilled. If you can get me any requisition form that says, I should or need to contact this person, then perhaps I could assist you. But it's not so easy as walking over to the terminal, typing a few words in. You have questions, but I cannot raise any questions.
0: I see. It might raise more questions
2: for you, I understand. You need something of a paper trail. Any, yes. Anything. Anything.
0: Yes. Well, I completely understand that, Um, and I, of course, would love to do things above board, but before I started getting everyone's day all squiggled and squaggled, I figured I'd talk to someone who might know more than I. I appreciate your help, and I will be looking for the proper requisition form um, Mm. and will return thusly if I am able to obtain one. Do you have any advice on getting one? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh... Ooh, I mean, you should talk to your refactor. Refactor, would be the yes, first yes, alcohol person. will probably help, yes, yes. And, oh, and she sort of screws her face up a little bit and is like, <laughs> oh, very by the books, that one. Yes,
0: yes, right. Well, he's a respectable man. A good man. chap, a good chap. A good, good chap. chap, all told, yes, yes, yes. Good chap, Beatles for a beard, yes.
2: Uh, good Vinos, Vinos, just just, just just, one little point. Mm-hmm. You should be careful. yes. Okay, I'm glad you know that.
0: Of course, of course, yes. I wanted to get some advice from yours truly and or <laughs> mine truly, whoever you are in this. <laughs> saying um the tru- on the matter the truly them the truly yes them's truly them's truly yes. Um, and I understand. I don't want to be causing a fuss here. I just think that it could be some very big opportunities that have been promised to us, but. A promise is only a promise, and a promise
2: isn't always true. So, I should be true. I should be careful on that end as well. She's uh, looks at you like she's trying to follow what you're saying, like it's a bouncing ball, like <laughs> like she's watching a tennis match. <laughs> she says, "I I have all of the opportunity that I need right now, but I would love to help as long as there is a way for me to help." And then um, one of the people who is on one of the gurneys um, begins, uh, like, not shrieking, but, like, kind of, like, moaning really aggressively and starts mm-hmm. coughing. And she walks over to her terminal and she, go, and she like, gets an alarmed look on her face and walks over to her terminal and starts <laughs> tapping on some buttons on it. Um, and uh, you hear uh, the sound of motors kicking into action and spinning um powering up and uh the gurney the table that's the furthest away from you that was the closest to the entryway door starts to spin uh and the person goes from upside down to right side up um and as they're doing that they also um like ripple uh oh. with a kind of like purple pink silver iridescence like a sort of light flickers over their whole body. And they kind of like, you know, their eyes have been open the whole time, but they kind of focus a little bit harder and they come to and they look over at you um, and uh, they transform into an imperfect, so like distinct, not exact, but a a still very uncanny copy of um, whoever is the last of the group of you to enter. Is that Remy? Yes. Yes. So they turn into a, a, like a copy of Remy. Whoa. They just look like Remy, not like Remy. Sort of like Remy's brother. Like Remy has a twin brother. So like you can tell that they're different, but they're very close. And she says, uh, "Sir, don't don't worry about it. Um, it's a new recruit. Uh, Solarians. They're very rare, you know. Um, and you know they're not normally willing to change form. It's a very tiring process, uh, you know. And they love to settle into a body and just stay there for a while. But of course, there are tactical advantages to avoid minor being able to easily and frequently change their form. This is some of the research we're doing for the company. Very interested in these applications. I I apologize. It's not, it is not uh, an act of aggression. Uh, She just doesn't have control over her body right now. So I I, I apologize. I apologize. Um, And she types a few more buttons um, on her uh, terminal and the gurney goes from right side up but tilted to just fully horizontal uh and there's another set of flickers and you see this this person go from remy to like what they were before to like half what they were before half remy they're sort of like cycling through some forms uh, and nio looks at venos again and says i i'm sorry um as i was saying i already have a lot of opportunity and I." Just want to make sure that I don't put any of this in jeopardy. And I don't want to put you in jeopardy. Yes. Yes.
4: While that conversation was happening, Mercus was scanning the room and using insight, which is uh, burning uh, one grit, doing a, a reason check and uh, can either detect lies or confirm truths or find a clue.
2: Sure. Um, well, yeah. What do you want? Is, or did you, do you just want me to sort of like choose something for you?
4: Kind of, I mean, I feel like from her authority and from the relationship, we can already tell that that was really truthful. I think more of clue or like direction in, you know, in what we were asking for might be helpful.
2: She would almost certainly give you what you want if there was a reason that she felt you needed it. And right now she's just like, I don't, it's not that she doesn't trust you. It's that she's very careful and that she... Got to this position by being smart, working the system, um, working really hard and like isn't going to just walk over to what for most people in the current universe would be an unthinkable amount of knowledge and take one very simple action that could jeopardize her access to it.
4: Mercus failed the role anyway, so he's just fixated on the quill on the desk thinking that it's important.
2: Okay, yeah, um, th- <laughs> uh, that quill is extremely well made, and um, wow, uh, Naio must have spent hundreds of thousands of hours um, writing with it. It's weird to think about the objects that people invest a small amount of um, gilder into, but they use for the rest of their lives.
4: Mercus is just like, hmm, like cataloging that one for later.
2: Think, uh, Mercus thinks about what it's like to be a pen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Remy uh, was, is fascinated by the 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 thing transforming into him. He's he like goes over and looks more closely, but is is, is just just uh, very interested. And uh, he asks like, "Does she, does she always do that? Is always the last person in the room?"
2: Uh, she's been having some trouble um maintaining forms around new people. You know, uh we're just we're trying to figure out how it is uh that we can maintain a kind of plasticity in her form uh, while um she I- is in uh new situations. Uh like I said, you know, solarians, um, very rare. Uh, you don't you don't really meet a lot of them, though they can take any vaguely sapient form. Um, you know, they can't turn into a desk, but they can look like a Harajun. They can look like an Enjon. Um, they tend to choose one form and just stick with it their entire lives. Uh, Remy takes out his flute and
1: starts toodling. Uh, yeah, as, <laughs> like, as you tootle,
2: is, is that, have you have you tried music? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you toodle, um, the sort of uh, spectral form that sits around this body um, that's this iridescent pink pink purple silver kind of like it doesn't move in time it doesn't respond in any way that is clearly either rhythmic or harmonic but it does change in response to the flute playing that you are doing um and nio goes oh huh interesting and she makes a little note in her ledger and goes over to the archive terminal and types some things
5: this whole time beta has been kind of sitting in the corner. Um, She was immediately impressed with Nayo and, like, really wanted Nayo to like her. Just, like, she just thinks she, Nayo, is really cool and has gotten a lot um, in the company. Like, she has this thing that gives her access with a touch of a button to the archive that's literally beta's dream so she's just she hasn't been paying attention to the conversation at all she's just been been like kind of readjusting the way that she's standing Um, like very very self-aware
2: uh roll charisma
5: oh that's that's bad (laughs) Uh, you mean charm
2: charm sorry roll charm
5: oh sure I'll, i'll roll a big old d4 (laughs) <laughs> that's
4: how you snacked her <laughs> <laughs> I got four
2: um, n- uh, Nayo looks at you a couple times during the course of this conversation and sizes you up she doesn't say anything to you uh-huh. uh, but she definitely notices you and at one point while she's you know she's talking to Venus but she's looking at you and making a face like huh <laughs>
5: um beta takes that as positive
2: i don't think yeah it's not negative it's certainly not negative (laughs) so venos
0: is taking this in he has been very vague obviously um with Nio presenting the reason why he wants this knowledge as maybe a, a possible boon for the company and nothing more. The truth is that if he doesn't get this information, the Saffron Anox will cancel his contract with the company. And that could probably get all four of us uh, spaced, i.e. hurled into space. So... Um, this is really important um, and makes Venus want to tell her the truth. But he also knows that while Nayo is, you know, a, a great person to work with, she does things a little bit more by the book and by the book may involve telling the company exactly what happened and that could get us spaced. So <laughs> Venus thinks it's probably best just to leave it where it is now and perhaps come back to her later if there are no other options. So uh, Venus turns to Nao and says, many thanks for your patience i will uh seek out the proper form
2: i think that is the best course of action and i wish you luck venus it is always so nice to see you
0: absolutely um and venus does another small bow um, and turns towards the
2: door She goes and she pushes a couple buttons and uh, the door opens up even more um, and uh, she wishes you all happy travels as she reaches into a compartment underneath the table that she's standing in front of and pulls out a very mean looking object that's like curved forceps with a corkscrew in the middle and she begins approaching one of the upside down people on the table.
4: (laughs) Mercus's eyes are wide and frozen in place. (laughs)
5: Beta is nodding her head, like knowingly, like, ah, yes, haha, just two powerful women we are. But not saying this out loud, but like kind of giving that vibe.
0: Uh, Venus may have had this exact procedure done to him, so he probably isn't even.
1: I think he probably have, heads. yeah. That it's going on. Yeah, Remy doesn't care. He's just walking out. <laughs>
0: Remy eats people, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: He plays him um, he plays them a little riff on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we leave.
2: Uh, the door the door slides shut behind you. Uh, you are in a darkened hallway in the basilicon. Well, she was nice. She is very nice.
5: Cool. very, she is very cool. nice. What was that thing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a rice slice nice thing. Oh. oh, it takes the fibers from inside of your nose and puts them right on the tip of your uh, butt.
5: Uh, yes, I gotta get myself one of those, am I right?
0: <laughs> you do not, you uh, do not. Yeah. Note, <laughs> it goes the short way. <laughs> yes, goes the short way and involves space worms. All right, <laughs> on with um, the next bit of business. I think that she could be a resource that we use later on, but she also may not be um, the best person to divulge the whole truth to, if you understand my meaning. Mm. Um... Uh Beta, did you say you had someone we could perhaps talk to?
5: Why don't we take uh, a little walk out to the dormant bays? My pal Orndrum lives out there. He is a xenobiologist like me. And I mean, whenever I have a question, he's the first guy I go to. He is a total nerd about pretty much everything. So let's at least see what he knows.
6: Oh, I know my way around there. Well, then you lead the way. <laughs> Mercus just marches ahead.
2: You are now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, do a tweet about it. Tweet it out to your pals or however you would characterize the people who follow you on social media. You can even tweet the tweet I have left in the show notes. I get your tweet on and of course you can support the show at patreon.com forward slash fun ventures thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat
1: Bijan Stephen and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Stephen, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes. B i j a n cakes.
6: I'm Jen De
4: La Vega. I play Mercus and Meldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon Odell.
5: I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Showdell.
0: Hello. This is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You could find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio. On Instagram, you spell G-U-E-R-C-I-O.
3: I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at (laughs) Taylor.biz.
2: My name is Mike Rugnetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rugnetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at FunCityVentures. Float City is played in a soon-to-be-released system called Still Fleet, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at StillFleet. This episode of Float City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York. It was produced, edited, and sound designed by me, Mike Ragnetta. Pitying, he dropped a tear. Pixel Riffs saw a glowworm near. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Remy's flute playing is by Jake Fridkiss. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kit, Pulliam, and Kestrel. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton.